Hey, how you doing? This is Wade with Wade for Wireless. And welcome back for another episode of Wade for Wireless with all your wireless updates, news, and information. Just sit back and relax. Is the work model for wireless changing part two? This is part two of a three-part series, and I just wanted to go into it a little deeper and explain how the work model has been changing and how it has changed. But today, I want to look at basically the contractor, the flat pricing, how it rolls down into the employees, into the workers themselves. So for the contractor, I'll just get right into it. But first, Tower Tracker Pro, TowerTrackerPro.com. For all your closeout package needs, it's a software as a service that will walk your crews through the closeout package while they're at the site. It'll set the pictures up properly, place them. They can do everything right the first visit. And before they even leave, they can upload it into the cloud where it comes down to somebody at the office and they can verify it and do quality control while the crew's still in the site. So you can make those closeout packages as efficient as possible and start turning a better profit because they're there in one visit. In, out, done. Bam. The back end is easier too because everything's already placed in the proper order. So you're saving money on both ends. And also Tower Safety and Instruction, towersafety.com. State accredited school in Arizona that does all your tower safety needs for instruction of safety, OSHA, and also for first aid. And they also have drone training, which isn't too common in the industry just yet. But you can see that drone work is on their eyes. The wireless deployment handbook is for sale as well. You can Google wireless deployment handbook or you can get on my website wadeforwireless.com and simply look for the wireless deployment handbook. I will usually publish that post every so often so you can learn more about CRAN, LTE, and DAS deployments. But today is the work model for wireless changing. Obviously, it has over the past decade. Every contractor knows that because they have to charge a flat price for the sites. But is that going to trickle down to the worker? Yeah, I think it probably is going to trickle down to the worker because they're going to have to figure out a way to make money as efficiently as possible because that's the key. I'm not sure how they'll do it yet, whether they do it through a bonus program or they just start hiring smaller and smaller crews and they start hiring two or four man crews separately. I mean, that's a model that a lot of these GCs have taken, general contractors. The contractor obviously wants to get paid, but they have to put out a lot of money before they get paid. The other thing is they want to get paid for the work they do. So what I'm looking at here, I talked a lot about change orders last week. What you are going to get and what you're not going to get, how you have to define your scope of work, your contract, and all that ahead of time. But the model for these services are flat fee. The customer's not going to want to pay change orders because they have a budget already. They already did the RFP. They did the reverse auction. So now what? The GC is going to hire contracts and expect a safe job with trained workers to go to the lowest bidder. On paper, this looks good, right? But the lowest bidder must be efficient. And the lowest bidder must assume that there's no problems that'll creep up on the job site, even though they know they're going to have problems. They know that money is going to be an issue. They know that time's going to be an issue. That's why the inexperienced people really should not be doing the work. However, you're talking lowest bidder. That's why the inexperienced people usually get a lot of work. You have to understand when you cut costs to the to say a tower crew or the engineer, what they're going to cut is training. And when I say training, in the, in the terms of tower work, that's safety, training and safety, training and climbing. When I say inexperienced, you're just not going to get the quality of work that you normally would. 
And I find it just fascinating, fascinating, I say, that the carriers expect this high quality and great work with someone that has the knowledge of an Einstein, but yet they want to pay him like that would a, um, say, say what a janitor would get. <laughs> a part-time janitor, you know, a kid working after school. That's what I'm comparing it to. So here, on the one hand, you want an Einstein. On the other hand, you're only going to pay for that part-time kid after school. <laughs> you know, somehow you have to meet in the middle. I, I know on paper, it's not that extreme, but it it's real close to that out in the field. Trust me. I mean, everyone has a learning curve. They ramp up quick and uh, I'll be honest with you. That's why a lot of experienced people leave the industry or change jobs. With this change, the way that they hire workers is going to change. When I say they, I mean contractors. Are you truly going to have the model now where you have an hourly employee out there or a salaried employee working at a site? I don't know. You're going to have to hire a contractor that's going to get paid by the job. And in theory, that sounds great. You know, you'll pay them when you get paid net 30, net 60, net 90. What if the contractor doesn't get paid? And then what, what's, what's the, uh, the end guy going to do that gets paid by the job? So you have to set up everything ahead of time. The other thing with this model is there's going to be a lot of issues with safety training, safety gear, insurance, taxes, liability, and travel. There's so many issues. See, that's another thing that they're trying to weave their way out of is TNL, travel and living expenses. With your travel expenses, it's a big deal because somebody's got to pay for it. It's coming out of somebody's pocket. I would think that you would have more local workers doing it, but yet I don't see that. I still see a lot of contractors traveling five, six, seven, eight, ten 10 hours to do a job. Now, if you're a specialty contractor, I get it, but it's just crazy what you're willing to pay for this when you probably have someone local that would do it yeah, for a similar price. It's insane. And you know what? They've already beat the tower climbers down. Tower climbers that are still doing this work, God bless the contractors who are still doing this work and they're doing a good job at it and they figured out how to do it efficiently. I admire those guys because they're still doing the work. The other thing is when they do finish a job, are they going to get paid? Payment terms have gotten ridiculous. Companies want to get paid less than net 30. They just do. But yet a lot of customers and customers want to go like net 120 or net 90. That's, net 90 is rough. Net 120, can you imagine waiting four months to get paid? Waiting three months to get paid? Here's the way it should be. It should be net 30. We all like to get paid when the job's done. Unfortunately, with these carriers, because of the system they built, they want to do quality audits, which take time. They have to schedule that up. So the PMs, the PM, project manager, the project managers have to work really, really hard to coordinate everything to make sure that everyone gets paid on time because payment terms are big. And trust me, I have seen where companies got paid net 30 and they did crap work and there's nothing you can do because you paid them. I've seen them try to structure payment terms differently. Like you pay them a third or a half if they finish and you don't get the quality audit. Let me tell you something. The guys that do the installation work, it's not their fault that you can't schedule this properly. It's not their fault that you had to schedule all this other work. So if something's done wrong, it is the customer's responsibility to make sure that that is corrected within those 30 days. The one thing I've seen that's failed, the carriers tried to get like a one-year work warranty from services company. And some companies agreed to this, which is just insane. A year, anything could happen in a year. I think the 30 days is fair. Maybe give them another 30 days to correct problems out there. But I want to see everybody get paid. And for those of you that think everyone does get paid, they're not.
You know, there's people out there that take the money. There's GCs that don't pay. There's a lot of trust issues out there. And that's the main reason why. It's all about the money. So the most important thing you can do ahead of time is to define the terms of your agreement. Now, I always talk about the scope of work. So you can do change orders and you understand what your job is. That should go all the way down to the guy that's on the site. He should understand exactly, he or she should understand exactly what their job is at the site, right? You have to set the terms of payment in your contract. That's another key issue. You have to make sure that those terms are set up ahead of time. Now, the thing that's so different between now and say 20 years ago, or even 15 years ago, 15 years ago, a contractor would get a bonus if the work was done early and mistake free. I mean, they rewarded you. Now you're lucky if you get paid if you do it right, if you do it the way it is on the paperwork, they say all oh, the plans have changed, or we had updated paperwork, or some GCs just have no intention of paying their, their subs, their subcontractors. It's just sad to me that this is the system that became of the way the new way of doing things. I know everyone assumes everyone else is going to be honest, or they did when they first got into the business. Now that you're in the business, you realize that half the people aren't who they say they are. Half the people aren't as honest as they should be. And it's just frustrating. It blows my mind. And I just don't know what to do. You know, while you think you're doing great work for the end customer, which could be a Verizon or an AT&T, the turf vendor you're working with may pocket all the money, may screw you. He may just beat the hell out of you. So you do stuff for a low price. And that's generally what happens. Even though you're doing final work for an end customer, the GC can really ruin everything. It can make everything look bad. That's, that's why most and contractors like to work with bigger GCs that have a good reputation or with OEMs that have a good reputation. Now, I know I talk mostly about tower work here, but the problem exists for multiple teams that are involved in the wireless deployment, the drive teams, the site surveys, the inspections, and so on. The RF engineering work is leaving the U.S. by droves. And I get it. There's a lot of talent in India. The talent pool in India is deep, and they work for way less than someone in the U.S. does. I get it takes a little more to manage in the U.S., a little more effort, but I get it. It just makes sense. And now with RF engineering, the carriers, I don't think they take it as seriously. It's like Sprint says, like Sprint advertises, hey, we're within 1% and we're good, right? We're, we're really close to those other guys. That's good enough, right? All right. That's the end of part two, everyone. Be smart, be safe, and pay attention. Remember, the Wireless Deployment Handbook for LTE, Small Cells, and CRAN is out there at wadeforwireless.com. See ya! Mm -hmm.